everybody, welcome back to episode 38 of That Scale RC Show. I'm one of your hosts, Jeremy, along with... Adam, did I take you for for a spin? Like, did I shock yeah. you? Yes, you got me that time. I, I thought so. I thought I I thought I'd throw it out there. <laughs> we're uh, we're coming at you guys a day late this week because if you've been following on the SOR page at all, I've had some technical issues with a printer, and uh, I was pretty frustrated yesterday after replacing some stuff, and it still wasn't working and was in a bit of a fragile emotional state. So we didn't record last night because I was pretty, uh, pretty much felt like my butt had gotten whipped pretty hard by this printer. So we are a little bit late, but that's better than never. No, he's lying to you. He was scared of the coronavirus. That's true. I didn't want to get it transmitted through the headphones or anything. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, it's okay though i've got toilet paper so i'm not super worried about it dude you know that uh, i'm glad you kind of brought that up because have you seen the memes that are going around right now about like selling toilet paper like it's a dude like an like drugs or something you mean yeah there's that i've i've seen <laughs> it like people taking little baggies and i'm sorry if kids are listening to this but taking little baggies and saying i got i got that toilet paper 20 dollars a bag and then um and then i've seen stuff as far as people saying got two new just picked up two new rolls of charmin ultra ply willing to trade for a, a vanquish vs 410 oh my god that's funny that's really funny. So, like, there's, there, like, I'm seeing like all kinds of stuff. It's pretty funny. I mean, there, there was one on Marketplace that was like sixty rolls for ninety bucks or something like that, or ninety rolls for sixty bucks on Marketplace. That was kind of, kind of funny. Yeah, we're not gonna go down that rabbit hole, you guys. We're just, you know, I know it's the talk of the news right now, and I know you guys come here to listen to RC related um topics not to totally you know listen to what's going on in the world this is your like decompression chamber you know show so that sounds really technical what i like it we're the decompression chamber yeah we are we're you know we we get you away from what's going on we just had to poke a little fun because we know that's what's going on right now but in all seriousness make sure you wash your hands and try not to run out of toilet paper why can't we be their audio volume we could be that too we're that audio volume so well um other than we should just get right into the questions i guess i was gonna say other than that i don't really think there's a lot going on in the the news as far as like you know dude facebook is just a flood of corona stuff and not enough rc stuff so i'm hoping to have some good rc stuff the next week yeah well like you said, let's start in on this. Um, we'll start off with Rob Smith. His is pretty good. You already answered him on um, on Facebook. Did I? Oops. So we'll 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 actually give a answer now. So, um, how do you persuade your wife that a a B six point one, B seven four, and an Element RC Enduro are not enough RC cars, and allow you to buy more? It's a real problem. Yeah, basically, just don't be honest and hide it all. We are not condoning that kind of behavior on this show. Oh, that is. I don't know how you address that. Is that, a bad, that, is just, a bad, that is a bad influence. 
just point out that it's a good way to unwind and keep you happy and it's therapeutic for one's soul and their marriage will ultimately benefit from it. So here's – I'll tell you how I do it and not that Michelle ever listens to the show, but if she ever did, this is the honest truth. Typically, I either acquire the car already and then I just throw it up on the shelf and eventually she notices and she goes, where'd that one come from? And then I just tell her, oh, you know, I got this one whatever, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Remember when I went down to JJ Customs? We were talking and I got it, so got a deal, which is true. I don't lie about that. I do usually get some sort of a little bit of a deal, but not a big crazy one, but um, that's pretty much it. And there's also that other saying, um, what is it? It's better to ask for forgiveness than ask for permission. Or it's easier to ask for forgiveness than ask for permission. Something like that. So I, how is how is any of that better than what I said? It's like the same. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just I just throw it on the shelf and wait for it to notice. Like that's not any better hey, than <laughs> I did. Yeah, but I'm not hiding it. It's not like I sneak it underneath my shirt and walk in. Well, not physically, but you're withholding that information. So and then, hey, oh god, that's funny. There are times though. <laughs> I straight up just tell her I'm I'm getting this and that's it. I just you know and you just you put your man pants on and let her know. Yep. I gotcha. So I mean, wow. For the most part, honestly, I'm I'm pretty lucky. I will say it. I, I'm pretty lucky. She she doesn't really care all that much. She it's more of like I said, if if I if I hide it or lie about it, then she's pretty mad about it. But if if I just say, hey, I'm doing this or I'm getting this or I want to do this, she doesn't really care. She's pretty cool. It's, as long as everything else gets taken care of, she's pretty fair about that. Like if I if like if like I were to say, for instance, we were to go to the grocery store and we got all our stuff in the cart and I go, mm, can't afford these. And she goes, why? Well, I remember that car I just bought? Then she'd be pissed. So as long as everything's taken care of, that's good. And that's another good thing you can do too. Offset it. Tell her that you know you want to get her something, and you know you're gonna get your car. She gets whatever she wants: manicure, pedicure, hairstyle, whatever you know your wife's in. Dude, women spend as much on like a cut and color as an RC car. Oh, I agree. That's that's why I said that's just gnarly. Offset it, you know, or a pair of shoes. Uh-huh. whatever whatever they're into. That that'd be my advice. Um, I don't know. Like I said. Eh, you know, you can all, you you really can go both ways. Hide it or be honest. Just you know, yeah. pick your pick your poison, and then or just roll the dice. <laughs> um, and then our second question, Eric Warren, with all of the beer virus complications, remind folks that your local hobby shop will have a hard time getting product. And to be especially patient with them until they can be restocked. We are already feeling this lack of product in our local or in our supply chain from some of the largest suppliers in the country. That is actually a very good. It's not really a question, but that is a very good statement. Um, I don't know about you know where you're at, but where I'm at in California, I've already seen it. Like you you go to certain stores or you walk into certain stores and it's like a ghost town there's people freaking out about even showing up you know to places and it's kind of crazy it takes you back for a second cuz you're like whoa what the heck's going on cuz you know there's a lot of people that don't want to go out because they're afraid they're going to you know catch the coronavirus and you know your local hobby shops you know they got to make money too they got to get through all this 
you know, so st st still try to support them, you know, and if you do place an order and it takes longer for something to show up, just remember that, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on right now, you know, so um, shipping's going to be slower. I mean, I know that for a fact because, well, I guess it depends which, you, which shipping you go with because um, Michelle's dad ordered something at the Four Wheel Parts show that I was at two weeks ago, and they were supposed to ship it directly to the house, and I guess somehow they forgot and shipped it to the local Four Wheel Parts um, store, which I guess for some reason they always say that Oakland is the closest one to us when personally I think San Jose is closer than Oakland, but um, – they called and said, are you going to come pick it up? And they're like, no, it's supposed to be shipped here. Well, anyways, they said they shipped it out when they called, which was last Thursday, and we're still waiting on it. And we keep checking the tracking, and it's like moving slower than molasses. And I think a lot of yeah. it has to do with that. But on the other hand, I just bought a set of CNC custom wheels um, from Greg Held, and he shipped them out Saturday, and I got the package off Monday. Oh, nice. So <laughs> I can't tell you where, you know, really what's going on. I think it's just, you know, look at the dice. Yeah, and I, it's funny, I've got a roll of vinyl that I had ordered, like, back on the 22nd of February, and it's still not here, and they looked into it for me, and as it turns out, um, it went to one of FedEx's distribution centers, excuse me, centers in Texas, and uh, just disappeared. So, yeah, so it's on its way. Nice. And I didn't even make a fuss about it on Facebook or anything. Yeah, well, that's because... If it was toy car parts, I'd freak out. But no, it, since it's only something my business depends on, I figure, you know, it's, it's okay not to get upset. <laughs> Priorities. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, and then Travis Engel said, You have talked about knockoff Vanquish wheels how about knockoff tires? They are pretty. Uh, they're pretty close and looks pretty cheap, but in in price. But are they pretty worth it for trip? What this? His, you know, I I know what he's trying to say. I get what he's um, trying to say, but the way he wrote it out is throwing me through a loop because I'm like, they are pretty close in looks, pretty cheap in price, but are they pretty worth it for trailing? Okay, now I get it. Right. Uh, yeah. Now I slow down and read better. Um. That's a big fat no. No, you get what you pay for. Yeah, with tires you do because the compounds are all, you know, that's kind of trade secret to the manufacturers of the tires. You know, they are they can try all they want, but they're never going to have that same, like, let's say, Proline um, G8 or Predator compound. You know, they're the ones that I've seen. I've, I've seen the knockoff Proline Hyrax in person. And they were garbage, dude. They were so hard, like just junk. So I I think tires, first of all, tires aren't very expensive to begin with. And so I think it's like super cheesy to, you know, you're not talking 160 bucks for a set of wheels. You're talking about, you know, 50 bucks or less for some tires. And I, I wouldn't even waste my money, you know, trying to have something like that because they're just not going to perform well it's funny that it's funny this question popped up because really i don't see i mean maybe i'm just naive to it i don't really see a lot of knockoff tires i see a ton of the knockoff wheels wheels and like axle parts and all that stuff those are i see those knockoffs all the time but tires i don't see too much the only one that really stick out to me or the the nickname that everyone gave them the chudus the chinese 
um, Voodoo tires. Those are the mm-hmm. only real tires that I ever saw that are truly, you know, like, I guess you could say are somewhat, you know, quote-unquote mainstream knockoffs. And mm-hmm. from some people that I that I know locally that have run them, they said they're they're you know just as crappy as the real ones. So, well, the reason being is so the Hyrax and all the Proline tires are made in the U.S. Yep. So basically the knockoff people are doing a cast of a proline tire and reproducing it you know just changing the lettering on the sidewall from what i've seen with the chudus uh his stuff is made overseas and as far as anyone knows it's the exact same mold that they're using to make his own tires in so yeah and it's something we covered before on the show too so yeah yeah Yeah, i that's what i thought too but um, yeah, but yeah, like I said, it goes with anything. Um, really, you get what you pay for. Um, I've always, you know, said, you know, kind of be a little skeptical when you're buying stuff. Like, if something sounds too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true. I mean, there yeah. are some areas. I guess you could say it's okay to be semi, you know, cheap or frugal with. Like, you know, if you don't want to buy like the big name you know, gears, like you don't want to go buy Robinson Racing, you know, buy some hot racing. There's nothing wrong with them. They're just, yeah, they might be a little cheaper. They, you know, but for the most part, I've had pretty good luck with stuff like that, you know, where you're like, eh, I don't want to spend that kind of money on this, so I'm going to go with this one, you know. You get, you know, Mm -hmm. again, it's like a gamble, you know. Sometimes you could take, you know, you could, you know, gamble and win big. Sometimes you gamble and you lose big. I mean, the only thing I would be very careful with is, like, stuff like, you know, your CV axles or whatever you want to call them, the, or the um, rear axle shafts because the actual shafts inside the axle because I've had bad experiences with cheaper stuff, just trying to save a buck, and in the long run, I ended up buying the better stuff. And so now if you think about it, I not only am out the cheap ones i'm also out the expensive ones which i ended up with in the end anyway so i should have just bought those from the beginning yeah exactly so um but yeah and then I w- i'm not gonna lie there's times i've i i bought the cheap you know vanquish wheels like i have a set of them on oh let's see i have a set of them on a build that i did for a friend just because i wanted to get that style wheel but i didn't you know he's you know, doesn't want to spend a ton of money, so I was like, "All right, we'll just buy those. Big deal." And then I have another set on my four-wheel drive slash because we were going to be beaten on it anyway. So I said, "Why am I going to put some expensive, you know, Vanquish wheels on it? I'll just do a, a cheap set, and they they're holding up pretty good." So, you yep. know, there are certain things, like I said, you can take the gamble. But um, what else? Oh, here's one from uh, Travis Kendall. Why do people not open their mind up beyond status quo? Why can't we enjoy new things? Ah, people. I think people, for the most part, are just afraid of change. You know. Well, Brad Geck answered this one in our thread, and he's kind of spot on. Sheeple. Oh, the sheeple. Yeah, no, and and that's true. I mean, it's just I saw a lot of comments about the IFS setup from people that didn't even have it yet you know when it wasn't available and uh guys throwing their two cents worth out there and you know it's like you <laughs> not making a really well-informed statement when you personally haven't tested something out but whatever 
Well, okay, prime example, and I know we don't want to keep bringing it up, but it's kind of what's going on right now. It's kind of like everything with the whole coronavirus thing. Everybody's running out and buying, you know, like every single thing of cleaning supplies and toilet paper that they can see. And some of it is, you know, the herd mentality. They see one person do it, so they say, I got to do it. But then they ultimately don't even know why they're doing it. They're just doing it because the next person's doing it. And realistically, the whole reason why that started is because you're supposed to quarantine, like self-quarantine yourself, and if you have to stay inside, you don't want to run out of the necessities, you know? So that's why people started stocking up on all this stuff, but it started becoming an epidemic when people are just buying it all, but then they see the next person buying it all, so they're like, oh, I got to buy it all, and you're, and then it's like, you know, if you ask them, hey, why are you buying all this? They're just going to be like, oh, well, they are, they're buying it all, also, I need to buy it. It's like you need to understand what's going on if you're going to go down, you know, that road. So it's kind of like the same thing with the RC industry. You know, you see enough people doing the same stuff over and over and over again. When something new comes out, you get the people that are, you know, the brand ambassadors or people that truly believe in those companies and they want to push it and get it out there. And then you got the other naysayers who are kind of like, eh, I've been so used to being this way, I'm not going to do it. I'm not even going to give it a time of day and then they come out and say hey this is why I don't like it without even giving it a shot and you know I mean I'll be honest from my standpoint there's a lot of things that I don't have my hands on that I don't you know run on a daily basis or you know I'm not gonna say I don't plan on it but it's not in the near future but I'm not gonna sit there and you know and give my two cents you know I can give my two cents on what do I think based on you know what I've gathered and you know from what I've seen online but I'm not going to go as far as saying well it doesn't work this way and doesn't work that way I don't have any physical you know test I haven't run it I don't have it in my possession so I can't say you know that it's not going to work or you know whatever it's just I can gather an opinion based on what I could see but I, I will never base an opinion on you know what is it belief that it's not going to work just because i don't like it yeah and that's the problem is like facebook's full of a lot of people that want to be or claim to be experts on anything and everything like it's and it's tough for guys in general to uh it's tough for guys to admit they don't know something and so they tend to just answer it whether they actually know it or not and so i think you get a lot of that but i don't know i mean I, I like innovation. I like new products. I like people that think outside the box and are trying to do something different to better the hobby or take it, you know, further in a direction, which in case of the IFS, you know, it's somebody really something that is a more, you know, true to scale uh, component that you can use on your builds. And I think that's rad. And I think it's good that things like that come out. I would never, you know, be like, no, that's terrible. Why would you, you know, it's like, no, it's, it's, if it's not going to work for you, then cool. Cause it's not going to work for everybody, but for the right person, it's just the, just the thing they were waiting for. So I don't really think there's any reason to freak out and bash on stuff before you actually know what's going on. Exactly. So next one, Art Eastridge, how about foam selection? The when whys of running a particular type of foam for the weight or type of crawling being done? 
this is actually I feel this is a good question because very I went through this phase in my RC crawling career where I thought once I did something a certain way I had to do it on everything and it was like you're like you know and it's like you know like cookie cutter like okay I did it now this time I'm gonna keep doing it boom 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 every time I do a build like for instance I built um, when we built the uh, the tow truck um, that truck was kind of heavy because the whole bed's metal the booms metal there's a you know a lot of metal on that car so it's kind of heavy so when I was running it the tires flattened out so I was like oh I don't like the look of that so I went with crawler innovation single stage you know foams and mm -hmm. um, I was like perfect solve the problem so now every build I did after that I just automatically threw those foams in it whether it needed it or not and then it started hindering some of the performances of some of my rigs because like I had another build that wasn't quite as heavy and I threw them in there and it the foam was actually bouncing me off you know obstacles it wasn't grabbing right. and allowing the tires to do what it needed to do because there was no weight behind it so yeah so that's when I started you know, playing around with, okay, what works for this and what works for that? And sometimes that's why you almost need to do like a test run um, before you finish and say, okay, my car's done. Because like I have a couple cars where they have, you know, the, st the stock foams from, you know, the manufacturer and the car works great. Doesn't have any issues, crawls over everything, performs the way I want it to. Tires don't like sink and flatten out to the ground. And then there's other builds where it's like, Nope, the stock foams aren't cutting it, but the hard foams are too much. So then, what do you do? And then that's when um, I like to run a hybrid, is what I call it. But it's like a two-stage foam. You have the mm -hmm. internal is a single stage, and then the outer is a soft. So that way, it actually has the best of both worlds. It's got enough to kind of bite and get in there, but at the same time, it's not going to sink all the way down to the rim. So you're still going to have, you know, if your rig's heavy, it's going to like flatten out the tire. Right. Yeah. See with like RTR type rigs that are really lightweight. Um, I've had a good experience with just the standard foams in them. Um, when you start getting into like the, like for me, when I start getting close to that seven pound mark, then I start looking at different foams. Um, for seven to nine ish, um, I use Proline dual stage foams um, because their outer foam is a little stiffer than what's available from Carl Innovations. So, I, I uh, like the ProLions for heavier ones, and then I recently got some Crazy Crawler foams, which are the Starcut ones. I got those to try out, and they have what I've what what I have is two different versions. So I have two sets of one nines, or excuse me, four point one nines. One of them is a closed cell Starcut, and I tried those inside the Proline BFG all terrains on that Ram Charger build, which is really heavy, and they worked awesome. Like they squished just the distance of the the little spikes that are sticking up from the stars, um, you know. So they compress about a quarter of an inch and then get firm, and those work awesome. And then I'm building a relatively lightweight rig that I'm going to use their open cell Starcut foams on and they feel really really good so for a lightweight truck i think those are going to be awesome so those are what i have experience with um i i've tried ci foams in the past and i've had the inner foam get hammered and squished down 
you know, after about a year, like they kind of just compressed and never rebounded. They just kind of kept getting smaller and smaller. Um, and I thought that was kind of weird. And then right about that time we had switched and uh, were sponsored by Proline. And so I started running their foams because most of my rigs are heavy for up here because of the rain and all the moss that grows on the rocks and stuff. So heavier rigs do kind of perform better here. But, um, you know, when you're looking at tire foams, I, I think your number one deciding factor is always going to be the weight of your rig and then just kind of go from there. And that was one of the things with the Crazy Crawler ones that I thought was cool because they sort of have like weight guidelines in the description of their foams to help you choose the right one because they do have several options. And so that was pretty cool. Yeah. And um, the other thing too is like you're also going to have to pay attention to side hilling because if your foam's too soft, if you're side hilling anything, that's where your car's like off camber and you're trying to climb up something like it's kind of like leaning, you know, heavy on the passenger or driver's side, um, depending on, you know, which way you're going. Um, sometimes the soft foams will just fold over and that will hinder your car, uh, potentially rolling over and rolling down the obstacle, um, and if you go, you know, and obviously if you're, it's too firm, it's, you know, it'll stay planted and you're not going to have enough bite to get you going. I mean, like I said, there's a lot of, you know, give and take. So like what Jay yeah. said, um, you know, knowing the weight of your rig, kind of like your crawling conditions, that's really, you know, what's going to be the key determining factor on what to get. Um, I won't say that, oh, there's a this is the foam you get when you're doing this, or this is the foam you buy when you're, you're doing this. It's, it's more of, you got to, it's per rig application. And it, yeah, it's, it's like that. What's the best tire question. There, exactly. there is no clear, there's no clear cut answer. No, to that. there is no clear like winner or like you said, best answer. Um, and it's also funny that you're saying about those, those crazy cut, um, foams is because back in the day, like, you know, what's funny is when I first got into, into scaling, um, the the crawler scene was still he or the comp crawler was still like a big time you know like that was in like people were still comp crawling so what was funny was seeing people take the comp crawling aspect of some of the stuff and applying it to the scaler side you know and that was one mm -hmm. of the things they used to do at the beginning was you know cut foams you'd cut them in like a star pattern kind of thing almost the, you know almost like you were looking at like a circular saw blade like there was a lot of like points because they're saying those folds of way it was folding over inside the tire helped crawl up certain obstacles so there was guys doing that way back in the beginning so it's funny to see it kind yeah. of come full circle but it being laser cut like that it is way cleaner than trying to it, do it yourself it, though and way less frustrating exactly i can only imagine um yeah, because foam is not an easy thing to cut. I don't know how many people have actually tried out there, but it is not an easy operation to perform. Especially it's really tough. Especially if you're doing the open cell, which is the softer stuff. The closed yeah. cell is a little bit easier. It's a little more forgiving. I mean, if you don't mind making a mess, because like what I've done is I've used like, like I've used the bench grinder wheel, and I just slowly, or even like a, a like one of those vertical. A belt grinder kind of like setups um mm -hmm. what do they call them a table grinder um i've actually used that you just keep rolling the foam and it just keeps shaving it down makes a mess but you just keep shaving it down and it gets a little more it's a little more consistent than trying to cut it because like there's no way unless like you have the tooling there's no way to cut it clean so yeah exactly yeah so it gets pretty funny because we had a couple of rigs where 
which is funny too. It's like crazy to think of the uh, the evolution of the tire foam has you know come to what it is today because you know when we like I said six years ago we you were stuck with certain foams. So like if you if you got a foam that you were trying to get to work and it wasn't like the exact size that you needed, you had to trim it yourself. And if you trimmed it a certain way, we had a couple rigs where it looked like the tires were kind of like like loppy like lopsided and floppy because they go down the road and you kind of see it go blah, blah 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 like it would kind of just like follow that pattern of how poorly it was cut when it was rolling down the road it was hilarious right yeah so um elliot chapel what do you think is the best motor for what purpose is brushed really the mud sure fire way to go or is it just the old timers talking when would you want censored um versus censorless um, this kind of falls into that answer we kind of gave. I don't really think there's like a better for you know application kind of thing, because um, nowadays a lot of the brushless stuff is starting to become a little bit more waterproof and a little bit more you know user friendly as far as like you know you're not you don't have to worry about a lot of the elements because some of the you know companies are taking that equation out, you know. Mm-hmm. Or the problem yeah. out of the equation, um, and like back in the day, everybody just stuck with brush because you can run brush through water, you can run brush through everything, and yeah, all you have to do is pull out the brushes, put new ones in, boom, good to go. Um, now, with getting a lot of stuff, you know, waterproof from the factory, it makes it a lot easier to get you know certain you know certain motors for your application. So, like actually, a guy. Um, has been going back and forth with me about getting a certain Holmes Hobby motor for his Wraith, and um, I'm only keeping the name, you know, confidential because I didn't ask before we were recording this. Um, and he was, you know, he was like, "Hey, you know, do you, what do you think about this motor? I'm putting it in a Wraith," and you know, I gave him my two cents based on what I know on, you know, uh, how the Wraiths performed, you know, in the past, and. Um, you know, kind of what I feel those cars need. You know, they're a bigger car, kind of like a rock buggy kind of thing. So they're a little heavier than your trail rig. So I always like a little more torque. So he was looking at a 12T um, Holmes Hobby motor, which is the five arm armature. So it already has a little bit more torque, but due to it being a five arm, it doesn't need as much um, winds um, of the copper Mm -hmm. winding. So a 12T is more, I would say, in the ballpark of a 35 turn if you were to get a three-arm armature. Uh, oh, a, th- a three-slot? Or a three-slot, I guess is the way to say it. Yeah. Um, and then, so I told him, I said, personally, if I was using it for crawling, I would throw a 16T because you're still going to have the low-end torque, and it's going to be more comparable to a 45 turn. And I always had luck with 45 turns in my wraiths because it's a little more torque, so it can get the bigger tires going. And he said, "Well, I might be running it out in mud, so I kind of want the high, you know, the high speed." And I said, "Well, then, yeah, you're probably going to want the um, the 12T." I said, "I'm just going based off of how that car used to be from, you know, box stock form. It used to come with a right. 27 turn, and people blew those motors left, right, and center just because there wasn't enough torque for the size of the tires." So yeah, so that's where you almost got to kind of think about it. Hey, what are you? What are your conditions you're running in? Are you going to be on the throttle a lot? Um, are you looking for crawling? Are you looking for speed? You know, what is it that you're looking for? Because that's yeah, your budget and everything too. Yeah, personally, like 
I will admit now that I'm diving more into brushless, I think brushless is like a precision tool now. You can tune it a lot nicer. You can get it like dialed in way more than you can a brush setup. Like a brush setup, you only have so much you can work with. Whereas, yeah, no, that's true. Whereas brushless, you can dive in and and you can mess with the timing. You can mess with um, you know, the torque curve out of your ESC, and it actually will. I feel tune better on a brushless because you it's it's in the name. There's no brushes, so it's all going to be controlled off of the ESC. Whereas if you tune the ESC for a brushed motor, you still have the magnets that you're messing with, so it's kind of like, you know, um, it's kind of like still going to like hinder how smooth the operation is, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, I, so I know for me, um, my favorite is a 35 turn, seems to have enough wheel speed on a three cell for fun trailing, enough torque for crawling. Um, and I think it's probably safe to say that a 35 turn brush motor is the most popular thing on the market. Um, if you are going to go brushless, I would get censored, not sensorless. Uh, censored gives you smoother operation. Um. And with a sensorless motor, they cog at very low speeds when you're trying to crawl. They kind of like click and shudder a little bit. They're not super precise. So I, I would always recommend going with a censored brushless setup. Or if you're unsure of what you need and you just want to try something and not spend a bunch, bunch of money on a brushless system just to, you know, if you're just getting into this, then get yourself a 35 turn brushed setup and call it good because that's i think for the average dude and most people that's gonna be a great setup oh i 110 percent agree with that and i should have made myself clear when i was talking about the brushless that yes you get a much smoother operation with a censored because basically the sensor is already taking out the guesswork so from the way i was explained the brushless motors because there's no brushes um kind of don't know which direction the motor's going to spin until it fully gets all the voltage or the signal going that way, I guess is what I was told. And a censored version basically is already telling the motor you're turning this way or that way. So once it starts going, it's a little smoother. That's why it cogs at the beginning because it's kind of like the motor's jumping back and forth because it doesn't know which way it needs to go until it gets the full voltage is what I was explained. I, whether or not that's true or if it makes sense or doesn't make sense to you, I'm just going off of what I was told. To me, it kind of makes sense because if you're, yeah, tell if you're telling the motor ahead of time it's going forward or it's going in reverse, once you apply that voltage, it doesn't matter if it's lower voltage, it's going to slowly go forward or it's going to slowly go um, in reverse or it's going to go fast in reverse or fast forward. You get, you get what I'm saying. Um, yeah. So... But I think there's a reason why the industry, you know, standard when it comes to most of your RTRs is a 35 turn. I mean, Axial's done it, um, uh, Enduro's done it. Uh, I think even the, I'm not 100% sure on this because I've never messed with one, but I even think the Traxxas is like a 35 turn. No, I think they're like a 20 or something goofy. Traxxas has their own well, weird thing Traxxas that they do. That's because they're more of speed, and plus they got those 
they got all they got a couple more bells and whistles on their RTRs. So as far as yeah. like you know transmissions and tool in uh, selectable you know uh, gears for their transmissions and stuff. So yeah. Um, but yeah. So I guess to answer, if you're looking for an all around. I would say, you know, brushed. If you're looking for something you want to be able to fine-tune, get into the brushless. Censored. Brushless. Yeah. Um, and then Jade Warburton, what modern body would you like to see from Proline? I feel like there are plenty of retro body options without as many modern counterparts, Jeep being the exception. Um, yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. If if I want to see a modern, I'd like to see any of the modern pickup trucks. I mean, right now the craze is, you know, the full like if you're going full size, in my opinion, your Dodge, your Chevy, and your Ford. You know, the F two fifty three fifty series. In my opinion, the bodies look the same. It's just a badging. Actually, most of the trucks are that way now. It's not like the old days where the F one fifty and the F two fifty were completely different. You know, now it's literally a it's a badging thing. So, like, I think which honestly, maybe some of these um, like Proline, I would like to see them do this. If you're coming out with, um, you know, a body, let's say it's a Chevy Silverado or a Ford F-Series, don't label it an F-250. Label it a Ford um, Super Duty, you know, and then in the sticker pack, the decal sheet, have an option for a 250 badge and a 350 badge. Then if somebody... Yeah, that's a cool idea. If somebody wants to make it a one-ton, they throw a 350 badge on it. They want to make it a three-quarter ton, they throw a 250 badge on it, you know? So I think that would be kind of cool. Same thing with Dodge, you know? Um, Just have multiple, you know, the body doesn't change, you know? The mm-hmm. the one the thirty five hundred and the twenty five hundred don't change. Same with uh, Chevy, they don't change. Um, yeah. So I think it'd be kind of cool just come out with like you know the, the like if you came out with Chevy label it the HD body and then you just throw if you want a twenty five hundred HD or a thirty five hundred HD. You know. Yeah. No, I think that's a really good idea. It's I I don't envy companies like Proline and J Concepts that do bodies because it's one of those things where it's just people are so particular about what they like you know and it's like you could totally think you've got an absolute winner and it's gonna sell great and everything but you know there's ford guys or chevy guys out there that aren't gonna buy it if it's you know not the right brand or whatever so i i don't know that's really really hard um well i'd like to Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, go ahead because I just thought of something that I want to add to my answer. So I'll let you go. Oh, okay. I'll let you go. Um, I think some shorter wheelbase stuff would be cool, but that usually involves quite a bit of tinkering to get things to uh, shorten the wheelbase, anything under, you know, like 11.8. So that's kind of tough. Um, I see a lot of really cool bodies um, on European and Asian uh scalar rigs that i've seen in like youtube videos um there was a guy that had a a suzu rodeo and that kind of cracked me up i thought that was pretty cool um so i'd like to see you know like suzuki jimny and stuff like that and you know just some different you know small wheeler bodies that are popular in other countries but again same thing it's you know that's my preference and not 
you know, everybody else's. So that, that's really tough. Um, molds aren't cheap to make, you know, um, that it would be very, very difficult to, you know, take a gamble on something like that. If you're a manufacturer, um, in the U S it's kind of Jeep and Toyota, you know, um, I, I would like to see the second, no, I guess it'd be like what second or third gen Toyota SR five. I, the one that, so we've got like, I think it's up to eight, 1985 is the current SR5 body. I think if I remember right, I would like to see the one that's the same as ProLine's forerunner. Okay. Which, what is that? Is, is that third gen? That is a uh, third gen. Okay. I'd like to see one of those. Cause I always thought those were kind of cool. Cause they're sort of sleek looking and everything that ProLine forerunner body is one of my favorites. And so, uh, I think that body style pickup truck would be pretty rad. But that that's that's it for me. I, mean, uh, I, oh, I don't know. It's a uh, big decision. Yeah, no, I think that is a third. I'm not a Toyota expert, but you did see you kind of took you kind of took what I, where I was going. I was gonna say, you know, as much as I'm like a full size vehicle guy, especially like a Chevy guy, I love to see like you know Chevy bodies. But um, it makes sense why the Jeep you know becomes like you know pretty dominant. It's kind of like the same thing. Like I was at the four wheel parts show, and a lot of, you hear from a lot of people that are walking around. Oh, all it is is Jeeps. You got to remember that Jeeps are like the Swiss Army knife of vehicles. You can use it for a daily driver. You could use it as a soccer mom car. You could use it to go wheeling. You could use it as like your luxury car. I mean like there's so many – like Jeep is just like one of those cars that has the most aftermarket support. It's a no-brainer to have yeah, Jeep. And they don't suck. You know, like they're good They're good trucks. I mean – But then the second in line, I would agree with you, is Toyota. Toyota is the second most popular wheeler due to the fact that you can get them relatively cheap. You can – and you know, there's a vast amount of parts for them. And the fact that Toyota is a Japanese company, they seem to last long. Like the motor, the transmission, all those components that you don't swap out when you're building a wheeler – last a lot longer than the American counterparts. Um, that is something else that I do think would be kind of cool to see is maybe some, you know, more uh, modern, which I think they're on the fifth gen, if I'm not mistaken, but like a fifth gen uh, to uh, Toyota Tundra or Tacoma I think would be pretty cool because, you know, I've se we've seen them in the hard body, but to see them in a Lexan for your average scalar i think would be pretty cool yeah i agree yeah it, it wouldn't hurt my feelings at all if they came out with a tacoma so especially with the team associated ifs i think those modern ifs trucks will become more popular because people want to have a reason to run that setup yeah exactly um, let's see what else. Um, bu 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 Jeremy Kim, this is for Jay. What do you think about those star-shaped foam insert? Well, you already kind of went over this. And what is the difference between the star-shaped foams and the two-stage foams? They both accomplish kind of the same thing. So yeah, um, and we it's just two 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 solutions for one problem. Yeah, and we and we did kind of just go over that with the tire foam question earlier mm -hmm. um but yeah this one comes from brad geck why do so many 
appear to be threatened by an IFS setup. Beyond them looking super cool and being heavy, why do people buy metal axles? They stick to rocks and cost a small fortune. Um, I still think a little bit has to do with like the aftermarket world um, in the one-to-one stuff. I mean, look at you have like your you have your different, in my opinion, like kind of like levels of crawlers. Like I've seen people like in a, especially in the Jeep world, you got the people that they call the poor people who stick with like the stock axles, don't go really over thirty fives, you know, kind of just like wheel on a budget. Then you got your like intermediate people that go and buy, you know, um, 60s and you know throw a 60 in the front and a 60 in the rear and kind of beef that up a little bit, jump up the 37s, maybe 40s, and then you get the people that go all out and buy the rock jocks and this, that, and the other, putting 42s and a and they put a you know. Um, an LS motor for the power plant, and then they just like you know treat it almost like a rock bouncer. And I think that kind of mentality kind of like transfers over to the scale world and the RC industry. And I think what it is is it's a lot of like kind of like blinginess. It's like you know you want your car to look like a certain way, so you're like, oh, I want you know I want it to look like it's some crazy wheeler, so I'm gonna put these axles on it, you know, like because they're gonna bling and they're gonna pop and you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of it. Um, you don't a hundred percent. I mean, there are some performance gains. Um, you get durability, you know, because you're versus plastic. You you do have that, but at the same time, you know, I anybody's seen it, and I think that's why Vanquish originally did it with the original Rock Jocks that came out. That's why they have the Delrin skid plate for the front and rear um, of the pinion because. They knew that the aluminum's not going to slide over the rocks as well as the Delrin does, so you know it's kind of like a catch twenty two kind of thing. Yeah, and see, that's the thing. Like, <sighs> I don't know why. It, so my take on this question, you know, I I don't know why people are threatened by it, other than just kind of like we talked about before, people are resistant to change. Um, as far as the metal axles go um somebody you, you, you someone's first response usually is just going to be well it's scale you know because real axles are metal well they're not aluminum though and aluminum is softer than steel and aluminum does not slide over rock as well as steel does and so for that reason um personally like i like the uh how the element enduro has steel links on it because they slide better than aluminum links like the axial has Mm -hmm. and yeah i mean aluminum axles do not slide across rocks as well if i think if you're going for straight performance i think it's counterproductive to throw aluminum axles on a performance based crawler because it is going to hinder it it's not going to help it you know steel would slide better so yeah they're scale but at the same time no they're not scale because they're made out of a way softer metal um I am not a big aftermarket axle housing guy. Um, if anything, I would buy SSD axles or ones that have uh, the factory ones that have beef tubes installed in them already. Those are my two favorite options. Um, 
I'm a big fan of the SSD ones, and I hope they come out for the uh, Element Enduro pretty soon because they're a really cool design. How the pumpkin is plastic and the tubes are metal, so you get all the benefits of weight and durability, and it still slides on stuff. So I really like those. Um, I you know I think a lot of people buy metal axles just as a flex you know so they can be like oh it's got you know this on it and blah 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 and it's fully vp'd out and it's like all right cool you know like they just want to show that they just spent all this money and that's you know their thing and that's why they did it and that and that's cool whatever you know if that's your thing and you want to brag about that then go for it you know yeah but uh for me it's not my thing yeah, I mean, I, I can see that. My my reason, because I do have um, Vanquish axles on two of my rigs. Um, I have a set of the original Rock Jocks on... Well, actually, take it back. Three rigs. I have the original Rock Jocks on my Wraith, and that was a vehicle that I won, and it was already on it. And at the time, I said to myself, because it was true, it was just something I didn't want to spend the money on, I said I would never go out and buy those axles on my own. Because at the time, I was still getting into the hobby. I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't, you know, at that point where I wanted to spend all this money on this stuff. So getting it on a rig, it was like, all right, cool, now I can experience it because I'm not used to this. Um, then I did buy a set of the newer Rock Jock style for what used to be the SCX-10-2 kit, which um, had the Cherokee body on it, which is now turned into my black and gold JK. And the reason why I wanted them was strictly for a look. I wanted it to yeah. look like a Jeep that was done up like a you know a full-on Jeep enthusiast would do with aftermarket axles and all that stuff. And that's the look I was going for, which I feel like... Yeah, and and they look awesome. They really do. Yeah. I have rock jocks on our one of our curry replicas and dude, I th I think they look incredible and they do have really good clearance compared to the stock axial housings, Correct. you know, like they there's not a lot of bulk there, you know, to hang up on stuff. And that is one thing that's super cool about those axles. I mean, there there's no denying that that they don't look badass. They do. Yeah. It's just it's just like I said, it's it's all about a performance thing. I mean, that's like for me, I actually um on one of my rigs, what I took was I really wanted the look of um of a real axle. And it was on one of my original SCX ten platforms, so it had the the you know, the round um, Gen 1 housings, and mm -hmm. I used to always get the SSD Super 60s because um, they would they they'd look like a Dana 60, but you're you know it was and they were cheap. They were like 14 bucks, 15 bucks for the axle set, and you actually they were so universal or yeah, I guess you could say universal. You could, it could either be a front or rear axle that they gave you either the front or rear truss to turn it into a front or rear axle. Depending on what where you the application and where you were putting it, um, and I wanted a little more weight, so I had my buddy Ty Johnson. Um, he he milled me out some brass tubes to fit inside those because at the time I couldn't find anybody who had them, so I actually sent him a set of axles. He made them to the axle, and I, it gave me the perfect look and weight, and it still performed because it was plastic, so it would slide over everything. Those are really good. My, I still have my very first SCX-10, and it has those on it. Um, 
I did a narrow XR mod to the SSD axle in the front, mm -hmm. and it, it worked really good. I ended up just boring it out with a large drill bit that I had here and slid the Beef Tubes XR mod uh, tubes in it, and it worked great. But no, I mean, for the OG SCX-10, that is such a awesome inexpensive upgrade that you can do that helps with the looks considerably and it gives you easier access to grease your ring and pinion gear too so oh yeah it's uh th those are bitching like i i really do like those you, so. do, you do know that they're discontinued yeah it makes me sad <laughs> i don't drive that rig at all anymore it sits on a shelf in our studio so it's uh it's just gonna sit there but i, I was a big fan of those axles Oh yeah, so am I. So I have them on three of my rigs. Oh wow! Yeah, I have. Yeah, I only have one OG one left. Everything else is a two or a Lumen Enduro. Yeah, well, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that you got into it a little later than I did. Yeah, well, quite a bit later. So, um, so a lot of my, like I said, it wasn't until I want to say Axteel Fest twenty sixteen. I want to say it was my first. Yeah, it was 2016. I think was my first year I ever I got the SEX 10-2 because the SEX 10-2 came out. I want to say, or was I wrong? Was it 17? I think no, it was six. It was 16, 16 because that's 16. They came out, but I didn't have one until the beginning of 2017. Oh, okay. Yeah, because we had just gotten ours just a couple weeks before Axial Fest. And I remember, I think it was in CKRC's booth, they had the SEX 10-2, like, under glass with VP axles on it. Uh, yeah, that it was, was uh, the... Dan Wilson's. Yeah, awesome looking. So that, yeah, I think that was 2016 yeah, you're... when they did all that. Yeah, you're right. Um, no, it's just that at the time, you know, it, like anything, you know, I didn't really see the need to have to try, the you know, a new rig. Like, I was content with everything I had, and, you know, and then it wasn't until... I think uh, it was Cantina for the Con that year. Um, Jason Copeland, the owner of CKRC, had one, and he was out on trail with us. And he goes, Adam, he goes, drive my drive my car. And I said, are you sure? And he goes, oh, yeah, I want you to check out the new SCX-10 too. You, you might like it. And I said, oh, okay. And, I mean, it was bone stock, the gray Cherokee body, everything. And I drove it, and I was like, I can't believe this thing's stock. Like, it, like, it blew me away. And then, you know. They were really good. And then that's when the whole, you know, SEX 10-2 thing kind of took over. And, yeah, I like I said, but a lot of my early builds um, started life as an SEX 10, um, the original, because that's, you know, where it was when I started. So I want to say – I want to say the playing field's pretty even right now. I'm trying to think off the top of my head without, like, boring everybody, but I think I have – I think I have at least three or four that are SCX-10, the original platform, and then I want to say the later five of them are the um, are the SCX-10-2 platform because I, ha I know I for a fact I have the hard body Chevy. That one is off the original platform, and that one has the 60s, the SSD-60s with... Um, uh, ties, uh, 
brass inserts, and then I have the tow truck, which was an, which was one that I really wanted to do something because I was like, man, that truck looks so cool until you look at the axles because they're the they're the SEX10 first gens, and so I put the SSDs on there. Then I started to build the a, another rig, which is in pieces right now still. Um, that one's getting the SSD 60s because it used to be a SCX 10, the original, and then that quote-unquote cheater rig that I have has the um, OG housings with the XR mod, the wide XR mod on it. So those four rigs are the only Gen 1 platform that I have. Everything else is SCX 10 too. Dang. So, mm-hmm. Got a few. Um, what else? Oh, Brandon Catton. You rotate your tires. Prefer overdrive slash underdrive or even drive axles. With scale adventures in mind, avoid water, snow, mud for the sake of rig longevity and possibly miss out on cool adventures or send it on any and every adventure no matter the terrain. Like three questions in one. Um, rotate tires. No. I've no. never rotated scale tires. Um, that's just not something I've ever done because a lot of times in some of my rigs, I've offset the track width. So it's like, you know, and, and I know a lot of it could be just changed by changing the hub or whatever, but it's like I've just never really given it any thought. It's not like, to me, it's not like a real car, so why are you rotating tires? Um do I prefer overdrive, underdrive, or even driven axles? It really depends on, I feel, what you're doing with the rig. Um, back in the day, like around the Gen 1 SCX-10 builds, that was the thing to do. You either threw overdrive in the front and left the rear stock or left the front stock and put underdrive in the rear, or if you were really extreme, you put overdrive in the front and underdrive in the rear. And it was really you know, what you were trying to do with it. I felt for a while until, and you know, until Element came out with, you know, the overdrive kit in the um, Enduro, I don't think anybody really gave two thoughts about overdrive gears anymore until that came out because the even drive were doing so well. Like the SCX102 for out of the box did so well, nobody even thought about doing overdrive or underdrive. And then you know now that you're able to change those acts or those gears in the transmission side on the enduro, I think now it's another game changer for you know an option of okay, do you want it to pull a little bit better? Do you want it to crest over those obstacles a little bit easier? You know, or do you want to keep it the same? Because if you think about it, really only in scale do you mess with the gear ratio like that because in like a one-to-one, -one, if you had different size gears, you'll blow the thing up. Yeah, exactly. So, can, um, what, what was that? I would say it'll fight itself in the, real, in, oh. in the real world. Which it does in the scale, but because it's such a smaller thing and... It's not really, you know, and because it's a toy, it's not really, you know, what it's like not as detrimental as if you did it with um, 
you know your one to one because I mean like if you had yeah. if you had like 488s in the front and 410s in the rear on like 37 inch tall tires that transfer case is just going to want to snap in half because it's just you know it can't handle that yeah Whereas exactly in the hobby there's a little more give and everything so it can handle it yeah you're not dealing with the same kind of weight or anything exactly else. so for me i don't rotate tires and here's why um Ben Morin from Toyzuki had educated me on this because I had rotated tires on a rig and he told me not to. And once he explained it, it made perfect sense. So as you break in, as your tires start to break in and they start to round off, when you lose that sharp edge and it starts getting round, you have more surface area making contact with the ground than you do if it was new and sharp. So as those tires get used they start to almost become wedge shaped and as they wear out and you leave them in the same position you know the same location on the rig um, your lugs will start to get kind of an angular shape to them you know kind of like if you have cupping on the inside of your real car's tires so it gets kind of a wedge shape and that shape gives you more contact area so for that reason uh, for if if you care about, you know, performance, that is kind of a bad idea to rotate your tires. So what he said to me and educated me about made perfect sense. Um, prefer overdrive or underdrive? Uh, for me, I will choose overdrive every time. Um, you, it helps tighten your turning radius because the front tires are spinning faster in the back so in a way it acts like how a dig does even though the wheels are still moving the fronts are moving faster in the rear the rears are getting drug along and creating some resistance and so it will let that front end pull around quicker and pivot off those rear wheels so i prefer overdrive um, on everything um, my OG SCX-10 had overdrive and underdrive, and I really enjoyed it. I would take it out trailing, crawling, whatever, and never had any issues. Now, I had used a radical overdrive uh, transfer case on the HPI Venture that we used to have, and it was from Deadlock, and it was 25%, I believe, and... I actually did experience some binding with that. It was too much, and I cooked a motor. So that's the only bad instance I've had with overdrive, and that was just because it was a silly huge difference. Um, but as far as like the element goes, with like I think it equates to like 11% when you install the optional gear set. I I don't hesitate to take mine on trails with the overdrive. It, it seems to be just fine. So. Um, as far as like mud and snow and water and stuff, it depends how I feel that day. You know, like if if it, if I'm not gonna like submerge the thing, I mean, I try not to go more than axle deep through water, um, just because. But uh, no snow stuff like that, it's fun. I, you know, I've I've got different rigs for different purposes, and my trail rig, I I don't really hesitate to take it through whatever obstacles are out there now with my comp truck and stuff like that no you know it it stays relatively clean since it's kind of a performance rig yeah and i guess to answer that last part because i didn't do it either is um 
the you know do I send it or do I you know or do I baby it? It actually honestly, and I know I probably get a lot of flack for this. It really depends on my rig and what I know it can and can't handle. Like for instance, I know that I got some rigs that are a little more closer to stock or you know they're like Lexan bodies and they're not really you know top heavy and so I, I like I'll push it then I got a couple hard body rigs where you're like yeah I'm not gonna blow this thing up so I'm gonna be easy on it but I have and uh, maybe I'll post this video up it's pretty funny um, I have submerged some of my rigs completely underwater um, one of the funniest videos we ever got was I kinda like photo bombed Yulio at the first ASD event there was this like little like creek river kind of thing I guess you can say and he was trying to get these cool shots of driving uh, was he driving like over a bridge or something he was doing something and he was trying to get all down he was like laying on his stomach trying to film this thing so I said I don't think it's that deep I'm gonna totally go sideways underneath the thing and it was hilarious because I was doing it with the tow truck so all you saw was the boom it was like a shark fin just coming through the water he starts busting up in the middle of the of the shot because he's trying to get all scale and here I come just bonsaiing underwater um, with just the boom sticking out of the water it was hilarious that's funny I gotta find that video and and share it it's it's pretty funny um, and of course then you gotta drive the car and when you get home spray it all out make sure you clean it all really well because water gets everywhere um, and also know your your rig um, all my rigs especially now back then I was just using normal conformal coating that I bought at like you know the electrical stores um, we actually have a place here um, in San Mateo which is like 15 minutes from me it's um, San Mateo Electronics and they sell I think it was what's that company it starts with an M it's like some, I forget what it's called, but anyways, they sell a lot of like aerosol type stuff, and they, they had a conformal coat spray, and it was expensive. It was like twenty five bucks for that, you know, can. It was the size of a spray paint can, but I'd spray it on everything, like my ESCs, um, my receivers, all that stuff, and I would get a nice. I, I was pretty confident with it. That's why I'd submerge my trucks underwater. Now my go-to is the Cow RC conformal coating, which kind of comes in like a nail polish kind of um, bottle, and you just kind of, you know, brush it on, and it creates the same thing. And I feel confident with that too. That I'll submerge it. Doesn't matter. So yeah, you just. I know manufacturers that if they have to service or try and warranty stuff or anything like that, they prefer you use conformal coating versus like liquid electrical tape or um, plastic dip because that's real messy. And when you're trying to solder and stuff, it's a pain in the butt. But the most uh, electronics manufacturers do prefer if you use a conformal coating. Yeah. Um, and that's why I'd say, like, like I said, I have no problem – um, running my cars a little harder. It's you just got to kind of know what you're dealing with. Um, I've really never taken any of my rigs through like mud, mud. I mean, I've it's they've gotten muddy from being out on trail. But once I get my mud truck finished, I think that's one rig I'm gonna have to get over that and just make a mud puddle and just hit it, send it. Yeah, which would be fun. Oh yeah. 
Um, and then I think for the very last question, which I was actually, like I said, I'm pretty impressed. We've talked almost the entire time based off these questions. Yeah. Is from new. is from Dylan Hunter. How crazy and impractical would a nitro engine crawler be? I saw a video, and it sucked. Um, I race eight scale nitro off road, and I can tell you right now, there is no way I would want to deal with that for crawling. Like everything about them is a pain. Tuning them is a pain. Um, when the temperature changes, you got to, you know, you got to tune them. Uh, there is a lot of work that goes into nitro and they are a giant pain in the butt and they don't make any low end power. Really. Um, they are one of those things that you have to keep the RPMs up so that the clutch stays engaged because the clutch has three to, well, depending on the manufacturer, it has three or more pads in it which are called clutch shoes and your um, pinion that you would normally have on an electric motor is the clutch bell on a nitro motor and when it gets to a certain rpm those pads are on springs and they fan out and make contact with the bell and the friction created there is what engages the motor and has it drive so to try and get it to crawl you would have to figure out some crazy clutch setup um, you would want really heavy shoes so that it engages super hard off the bottom versus higher up in the RPM range. It's It would suck so bad that you would probably hate yourself for even entertaining the idea of trying to make it work. So that's the best advice I can give there is just stay away from it because nitro is a whole new set of problems altogether. Yeah, exactly. Like nit with, with racing nitro, like... When it's good, it's good, but if you're having one of those days where you don't get your tune right, you're using too much fuel, or your tune's not right, nothing flames out on you, because they just have glow plugs. They don't have an actual spark plug, you know, with a coil and everything else and a CDI unit. Um, it When it's bad, it's bad. When it's good, it's good. That's the best thing I can say about Nitro. Yeah, so I've never really had any experience with nitro. Um, I remember, my actually, that's kind of, I guess you could say, where a lot of my RC started, I guess you could say. Um, the neighbor kid at the end of the street had nitro cars, and I remember we always had, you know, we'd always mix it up. I, I can remember the smell of the nitro, you know, like it's just super, like one of those smells you'll never forget. And yeah. we used to always fire up the cars, and we'd run them up and down the street. And, you know, just the way he'd drive them, like, there's no way. Like, you know, they're just way too quick. They're just way too fast. I mean, there's no way. It, it'd almost be like – I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it. It's almost like if you were to, to stick, you know, like a, a one of the, like, top fuel drag car motors in, like, your – your jeep that you want to go wheeling with i mean the minute you touch it the thing's just going to be like Rah! and just take off like you're not even going to be able to crawl over anything you'd be launching over everything it just it's just super like that's why he already kind of answered it. it's super impractical yeah and there's no reverse that's the other thing so you would be behind the eight ball before you even drove the thing <laughs> it would already be less capable than a regular crawler exactly. because of no reverse because i use reverse a lot it's just kind of part of it so so yeah, um, P 
people have entertained that idea. It didn't work, and yeah, so that's why you don't see him. Uh, that's all. See, is that all of them? That's all the questions. Had some really good questions this time. Oh yeah, no, we had a lot, and I think that I think the reason why we were able to get it like a little bit more like involved is I remembered to throw it up earlier in the day than to wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this actually worked well doing it yesterday. So, um, yeah. But like I said, as far as you know, um, as far as any kind of like scale news or whatever. Um, you know, there's not a whole lot going on. I know SSD just released some new wheels that, in my opinion, look a lot like... I forget what the model is. They remind me of a method wheel, because I was actually just looking at methods for my real truck. Oh, were you talking about the... Uh... Pre predators? Is that what they call them? Uh, um, I'm looking them up right now. I think I know what you're talking about. I think it's the SSD um, Contender is the name of the wheel and they look like um they're kind of like those newer methods that vp had recently come out with but uh they're almost an exact replica of this company called innovate racing uh -huh. um and that is kind of what they look like challenger does that sound right were they gold yes the bronze yeah mm -hmm. yep yeah that's the challenger yeah so those look like the innovate ones the way they've got that uh, cut in the in each spoke, there's a recessed area. But yeah, those are super cool looking. Yeah, they actually because here I'm just gonna do it real, you know, for shits and giggles. Because um, I was actually like I said, I've been toying around with new wheels for my real truck, and they remind me of. Come on. I think you're thinking the Vanquish Method MR310. No. That's what they kind of look like. They do, but if you look at the real um, uh, Method 312s in bronze, they're almost identical. It's like a concave kind of like star pattern. Huh. Off the put, we'll, we'll have to put up. Maybe that's what we'll do. We'll put that up on our on our social media, and we'll we'll take a poll. Do these look like that or no? Mm, the 312s that I just pulled up have holes in the spokes. The, the center of the spoke's hollow. Yeah, and I swear that's what the other one looked like, but I could be wrong. No, the SSDs are solid. They're filled in. I just literally saw it. Hold on, now I'm about to look on Instagram again. <laughs> the joys of doing this live. No, see, SSD Prospector. I'll take a screenshot of this. Prospector, huh? Yep. I haven't even seen that yet. That's Yep, that's them. Huh. So I'm taking a picture. Why aren't they? I'm looking on A-Main's site right They're now. They're not on A-Main. Oh, okay. Got to go to, um, well, I mean, they might be getting them soon, but you got to go to, um, if you're on their SSD's Instagram, page. Yeah, go to their Instagram or Facebook. Okay. But they look just like them, in my opinion. 
Ooh, they make the champion in gray and silver. Okay, yeah, I see the prospect. Yeah, those do look similar, don't they? So. Yeah. But. Those are pretty cool. Oh, yeah. They kind of remind me of like a. Eh, no, I'm not even going to say it. It's such a loose resemblance in my mind. What what I was going to compare it to? The champions in gray look really good. I do like those a lot. Uh, the champion. If I'm not mistaken, let me go back here. That's the one that looks like the Walker Evans wheels. Yes, I have those that on my mud truck. Yeah, those are uh, two of my rigs have those on it. Those are kind of like my favorite wheel right now. But I really, really like those. Uh, what are they called? The challengers. I, I kind of want that to be my next purchase. I kind of want to do the gold on that um, Comanche build that I've got right now. That would look good on an all-black rig. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. So I may have to get those. Those are pretty cool. And then if people don't know it yet, which they probably do by now, um, K&K has eight lug wheels, and the K&K wheels look really, really nice. Yeah, I'll have to check those out because – the only person I ever saw do an eight lug wheel and he did it one off for one person because he said it was a pain in the butt was Greg Held from CNC. Oh, yep. So he did an eight lug for one customer and said he'll never do it again. I can understand that. So, so can I. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, I mean, it's, it's, it's different. It doesn't take, you know, like he sets a lot of his stuff up to take the SLW style hub. So now you got to get, you know, well, I mean, now it might be a little different. I have to check out the K&K ones, but at the time, he could only get certain hubs because they're the only ones that work. And Right, and then beef patties aren't going to work on them. And, yeah, that creates a whole new host of problems, doesn't it? So, yep. Um, but, yeah, that's about it. I think that actually kind of carries us to the end of this episode. Actually, yeah. Um. Because the only other thing I know that's coming up, which I know neither of us are going to, is Scale Nationals. And that's where? Vegas? Vegas. Yeah, and then... Gosh, I don't know. It is kind of a light week as far as news and stuff goes. There just kind of hasn't been a lot. Well, and like I said, a lot of that has to do with the, the virus going on, and that's like consuming a lot of people's you know focus and news. So... Yeah, well, hopefully we distracted people from that for a little bit at least. Yeah, I'm hoping so. Well, everyone, um, I guess we can call it a night then. Kind of a short episode. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought we were kind of close to the hour and a half mark. Close enough. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. And uh, if you're on Patreon, you will get to listen to this this evening and uh the rest of you tomorrow on spotify and podbean and stitcher and who knows about apple Podcasts because that seems to be different every day exactly so anyways <laughs> have a good night everybody